0: I have looked upon the face of a fall-on, and nothing
1: is the same anymore. Coffee, two sugars, cream, and aspirin.
0: There once was a man from Nantucket. It must be Earth humor.
1: Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of internet strangers who are getting to know each other over the show Babylon 5. I am Laura. I'm Jafer. Jafer. tell me.
2: Who are you? Who are you? Who are you?
0: Do you know who I am?
2: Well, uh, put on the spot for the bit. <laughs> um, what's something that you wouldn't know about me?
1: Pretty much everything.
2: Pretty much everything, right? <laughs> so I want I, I want to pick something fun and interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, That's the challenge. To, to like, go. For yourself. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're plenty fun right. and interesting. That's...
2: I hope so. Yikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a white man, I will have the illusion that I am fun and interesting for forever. <laughs> I can promise that. So. There you go. There's that, at least. Um, I, at one point, and I am not any longer due to time and my rank dropping, but at one point was ranked within the top 100 sword fighters in the world.
1: How, how do you do that? Sorry to follow up a question with a question, but that, no, that no, is it's very fine. impressive. Um, how?
2: <laughs> well, one small sample size helps.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Honesty. I like it.
2: Well, you know, so, uh, I participate in a hobby and a scholastic study called HEMA, historical European martial arts. <laughs> This is recreationalist sword fighting. Um, so we find, has a study, academic study, we find books that have survived from the past, the oldest being the 1300s, hmm. all the way up through some like modern ish stuff from the 1700s, 1800s, and translate and interpret the movements and the plays and the teachings of the old sword masters and then recreate them. Interesting. So I mostly have studied Hans Talhofer, who is a German master.
1: Mm-hmm. Very German name.
2: It's a very German name. He would have been teaching around the time that the beer purity laws went into place, if memory serves. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, you, you participate in tournaments mm-hmm. that are scored, and then the scores go on a website called HEMA Rankings that collects aggregates and ranks everyone on an ELO system.
1: You used a lot of words there, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Elo is the same ranking system that chess uses. Oh, okay. So you get points for win, losses, and ties based off of the score of the people that you're fighting or playing in chess. Okay. So if you beat someone who's way higher than you, you jump up a bunch. If you lose to someone who's clearly better than you, you don't go down that far. Oh. If you lose to someone who's way worse than you, you shoot down.
1: Hmm. I I see. I don't know anything about chess either. You've like hit me on two things that I have no idea what you're talking about, but that sounds like a pretty just system of ranking things.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's been around for a while in chess. If you ever hear someone referred to as a chess grandmaster, Mm -hmm. that is an ELO ranking of 1350 if memory serves. I think that's the grandmaster line. I'd have to Google it to be honest, (laughs) but I won't.
1: I'd have to Google most things that I know to be honest. Like (laughs) to verify them or has this changed
2: yeah so i I, at one point was ranked i want to say 78 for fighting with synthetic long swords internationally out of a pool of probably about 600 700 people like i said small pool size (laughs) Uh, but
1: you made it to the top right yeah i mean that's pretty great yeah cool i don't know quite how to wrap up this bit (laughs) uh and now (laughs) on
2: to the episode yeah there we go theme music.
1: Yeah. To the episode.
2: Right. That was uh, saying theme song was actually a bit from my old podcast, uh, how we would always end our cold opens. <laughs> so it's just, if I just fall into it, it's natural.
1: So coming back to the second half of this pilot yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was uh, a little bit, you know, I had to get back into it. And mm-hmm. I think that Having that space in between the two, I felt like some of this second half of this pilot falls apart for me a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, watching them like a week apart, it Mm -hmm. definitely, it just crumbled.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we can point out the parts as we're going through it that started to crumble.
2: And it starts off with just this terrible CGI. It's like the Mm -hmm. swooping shots of the station when we're coming back from where we left off. And uh, I could only think how much this if this was a star trek movie this would have been like a six minute long scene with like full orchestral like (laughs) depending on when the movie was made lens flare like
1: Mm -hmm. it
2: it was really one of those like it, it felt like it wanted to be one of those types of scenes
1: yeah so we left off on that cliffhanger that was really accusatory and then that left off with like a very weird angle on sinclair Mm -hmm. visually. The camera angle was very strange on my TV screen. It looked terrible on my laptop. It still didn't look great. (laughs) It was just a really bad angle. And it goes right into the CGI of those robots, the maintenance bots being deployed. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about if you were watching, the pilot was split up into two episodes and you were watching it a week apart. Would you register and remember that oh yeah they were sending out maintenance bots because something was wrong with the hull like every shot of that yeah. has been really short so I was like I don't know if I would pick up on that very well.
2: I would hope and expect that they would put a little like last time on in front of it. Previously on lost.
1: Oh yeah that's that a would thing explain isn't explain
2: that yeah
1: that's not really a thing in streaming world but that's a that's a thing that we used to yeah. do.
2: I mean, it's such not a thing that they just skip it for you most of the time. <laughs> Unless they know that you're resuming a series, they'll leave it on sometimes if Netflix is smart like that.
1: Oh, yeah. And after <laughs> our bad CGI, we move into more of those confusing politics of Earth Central, where apparently the senators have authority just, over the military.
2: <laughs> the senators just do whatever they want, apparently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's- everyone was granted the powers of Mitch McConnell somehow. Maybe that's the answer. You'll regret this, and you may
0: regret it a lot sooner than you think.
2: I've been thinking about it the wrong way, taking all that stuff away. No, maybe. That'd be terrible. (laughs)
1: Maybe the future is not all it's cracked up to be.
2: Uh, And yet, we get Sinclair takes a moment here to pontificate Mm -hmm. and just goes off about no member of the crew is more important than the station.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Which I really thought was noteworthy compared to so much more, like it's such an opposite reaction compared to what you would normally expect from like in a military situation. You're like, no, no man left behind. All this stuff is like all the media that you consume says these kinds of things, mm-hmm. at least me. And then this was like very stark, starkly different because it's just like, no, the station stands for something. The station is an ideal. The station needs to exist. I don't matter.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Which was, it was nice. It was, it's, it's one of the things that sets Babylon 5 apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's real leadership right there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like in my day-to-day existence and personal life, I don't get much of that. And that's kind of sad <laughs> to say that out loud. <laughs> but like, you know, there there's a lot of what am I going to get out of this? Or, you know, what what can I do for my buddy? And to hear that leadership of this thing is bigger than all of us. I want you guys to do everything by the book and what we're supposed to do. No, that's just really Mm -hmm. nice.
2: And after that scene, we move on and get confirmation that it was the gambling partner involved in this plot somehow. Mm -hmm. Or was it as the maintenance guy goes in, we see the maintenance guy get killed and then we see the maintenance guy walk off the escalator the escalator, the elevator.
1: <laughs> I laughed at this scene because I thought, you know, the guy's like, Oh, Del Varner. Yeah. God, is it a small galaxy? Like <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot. Like when I lived in new Orleans and still here in Oklahoma city, that uh, I don't live in cities. I live in big, small towns because you were always mm-hmm. running into somebody you knew in both places. It's just the same thing. It's just the universe just going to get Bigger, but also smaller, because why would this random maintenance guy know Del Varner? <laughs> right.
2: Did he swindle you too, right? Yeah.
1: But yeah, that whole thing is very spooky, where he just gets shot and then walks off the elevator yeah. again.
2: I mean, it might tie into the stuff we find out about Del Varner later. I'm wondering if this maintenance yeah. guy is suspect in some of Del Varner's known illegal activities and stuff. Right. Like maybe <laughs> there's a whole story there that we don't have. Then after this, we get to...
1: We get to get the courtroom, don't we? Well, I shouldn't say courtroom because I think they explicitly state that this is not a trial. Yeah,
2: (laughs) it's not a trial. It's just a trial.
1: And we're interrogating the doctor about what he saw Mm -hmm. and who the witness is. We have heard that there was a witness.
0: Is this true? Yes and no. The information is
1: secondhand.
2: Yeah, and they won't say... But if it goes to trial, they'll say, once again, making that distinction.
1: <laughs> it's a trial, but not a trial. But there's definitely an ominous chair mm-hmm. and a panel of people <laughs> and some, some harsh lights.
2: The, it's, it's definitely a different set than the council room in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if this was like the room for this specific thing. Because this looks like it's kind of set up for it, like there's like some like sidewalls partitioning off access to be able to see people, like, I'm wondering if this is a separate room they have set up for these pseudo trials and what that says about Earth Force.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things I wonder about Earth Force after this section of the pilot, like. I'll tell you later. There's, there's one thing that said specifically toward the end that I'm like, so what, what, what is this then? Yeah. But I like how they've got like the, the witness stand there and it's got four TVs around it Mm -hmm. that have the witness on it. And these TVs are of no significant size. (laughs) Like, you know, usually when you have a TV for something to, it's to show the person bigger. Yeah but these are not for that purpose they're smaller yeah the
2: commander is smaller on the TVs than he is sitting like he's close enough where he would be larger in person like the 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 goal of try if you're trying to share detail is just completely lost
1: yeah this is just to look cool this is just because we want to reiterate that there are TVs all over this yeah no
2: expense was spared
1: <laughs> it's fantastic we get Jakar being more of a antagonistic dick
2: Shahar <laughs> is such the bad guy. We find out his plan over the course of this is to hand Sinclair over to the Vorlons.
1: May I humbly suggest that we decline jurisdiction in this matter. This is more properly a matter for a true court of law. A court of law such as that on the Vorlon homeworld. And it's just mm-hmm. like,
2: why? What is like, the
1: in-game on that? What? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right? Like, okay, so you just got shunned by the Mimbari, right? You're never going to be friends with the Centauri. And Earth is really your only ally that you could possibly count on right now. And so you're just going to burn that bridge,
1: right? Oh, and he he does, we do get another misogynistic line from Jakar that I forgot that I wanted to point out.
2: Oh, the commander's woman. I have that in my notes too. Oh my God, cringe city. I was just like, oh. oh when he Uh, says it
1: and you know i don't remember we don't get a lot of like Narn gender relations we get some i do remember that later there's some sort of Mm -hmm. plot with that Uh, i don't know what season it's in but what is the the role of women in their society i know we get some more from the centauri So I'm really curious to talk about that whenever it shows up. Well, we get Natoth. Yeah, I I remember Natoth and I remember her being a strong person. And I I don't remember Jakar like Mm -hmm. not having respect for her. So is it just something they reserve for others? Well, I mean, I think a
2: lot of Jakar, I think a lot of what we get from Jakar in the pilot gets changed very quickly. (laughs) A lot of that stuff gets turned down. Yeah. So if if you
1: were sitting here watching this pilot, totally offended by Jakar. We think that that's going to change.
2: <laughs> well, it definitely does. At some point, it definitely does. Like, where I'm at in the series, it for sure does.
1: So maybe hold on a few, few more episodes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, yeah, just don't like it right now.
1: It's okay. We all acknowledge no, that that he's... was bad. I imagine if we tweeted it at, yeah. at J. Michael Strasinski, he would say that was bad. For sure.
2: So after this courtroom scene, they find Del Varner's body. Uh-huh. Yep. And they don't know how long he's dead. They make a point of being all like, oh, we don't know. He's been dead for a while. Let's add to the mystery of how long he's been dead because we didn't already reveal that there's like a shape changer Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. going on. (laughs) Yeah, we get the line that uh, Kosh Mm -hmm. has an anti-poison working now. And I'd love to know where they applied the (laughs) anti-poison because I'd love to know where they applied the poison.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the part of this storyline, well, there's a lot of that that doesn't hold up for me either. But also the Vorlons have been so secretive about don't look inside the suit. Don't, you know, Mm -hmm. they would not look kindly upon the telepath, like, so you would think that the doctor would be different during this time after he has looked inside the suit and there would be something significant there. We get like a throwaway line at the end of the episode
2: Oh, I I don't think it's a
0: throwaway line. I I, I don't feel
1: like his acting up to that point did that justice, did that line justice. Because to me, he's not acting any different. I wanted to see a contrast of like, I am a changed man.
2: I have seen some shit, man. I kid you not,
0: I have seen some shit.
1: Now, he tells me he's a changed man, but I don't see it in his acting up until then. So that's why I call it a throwaway. It's obviously not a throwaway line.
2: No, I can definitely understand that.
1: Speaking of things that aren't consistent and don't make sense, uh, I would like you to scrub, if you have your episode open, I do. to timestamp 5752. We're told that Garibaldi is this super crack detective, right? And he is mm-hmm. a smarty pants and a, a astounding cop. He's in a crime scene. Yep. We think because you know they've had Mm -hmm. to open Del Varner's quarters, he wasn't responding, the computer was jammed, or the lock was jammed, or something. Walks in, there's this substance on the floor. Why is he touching that?
2: (laughs) He immediately goes for it. (laughs) Oh, without even a glove or anything, too.
1: This is like sticks it up to his face to smell it. It's like, what if that was, yeah, what if that was like. Acid, acid or a poison or something that you inhale it and it may knocks you out. Like, what are what are you doing, Garibaldi?
2: Right. I, I will say, when there's the pile of liquid on the floor, mm-hmm. I was expecting the trope of the body being stuck to the ceiling.
1: Oh, that would have been fun.
2: <laughs> right. And I don't know if they didn't do it to like subvert uh-huh. the trope because this is like a '92 and that was a big thing in the '80s and horror movies. Yeah, I suppose so. So it, they might have been trying to subvert it. Then it wouldn't like it. It might have been fresh enough where it would have been cool to do the thing. Yeah. But I really wish they did the thing.
1: Now that would be big fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. It'd just be fun. Exactly. Man, yeah, he just has no respect for a crime scene. It's like, well,
1: you've just contaminated everything. They may throw this case out now.
2: At this time I will find that the jury is unable to arrive at a verdict and declare a mistrial in this matter. I mean, maybe they can like isolate his yeah. DNA and stuff from the eh, science, you know what, science, 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 science. Right. You shouldn't touch you shouldn't just touch random liquids on floors. <laughs> I'll just go that far. I don't care what time setting you're in. I'm not I see something on the floor mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is. It's getting wiped up with something in between my hand and that liquid.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's not even a crime scene thing. That's just like day-to-day life. <laughs> Don't touch weird shit on floors.
2: Right? So after this, uh, we get a conversation between Carolyn and Delenn. Mm, yes. And I thought this was super interesting. Mm-hmm. Mostly because Carolyn never shows up again. And they like, they really go out of their way to like, you know, everything he's done yeah. for you. And it's just like, can you imagine like it cements him as having so much more of a friendship that like his girlfriend, we don't even know how close they are really. That's not really well established how long they've even been dating. It feels like she like my wife, we could do that with my best friend. Mm-hmm. Like that is I think that's like the level of comfort, right? Like if that were to happen. I've got maybe like three or four friends that she would probably do that with, and everyone else probably not close enough to. And it really makes me like how close is Sheridan and or how close is Sheridan to yeah. Len, and how close are Sheridan and Carolyn?
1: I hate to point out that it's Sinclair.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: son of a. <laughs> you want to take two on that?
2: I even, I even in my notes wrote Sheridan, crossed it out. <laughs> wrote Sinclair over it we could just we could just leave it in it's fine
1: I mean that's the curse of this show we talked about that I think in the last episode too was like why would you name yeah your two main captain captains I don't think they're always called captain but Jeffrey Sinclair and John Sheridan why would you do that I don't know I'm just asking for trouble
2: Uh, it's asking for me to mess it up all the time
1: but yeah the other thing that's really interesting about that scene of Carolyn going and yelling at Delenn is not just that she feels like she can go yell at someone who might be Sinclair's best friend, the way that this character but she's also an ambassador, mm-hmm. a diplomat of an alien government. She feels empowered to go <laughs> yell at an ambassador right. of another race entirely. Like that's, that's a really, fam- that's very familiar <laughs> to go to her quarters and yell at her. Right.
2: There's a moment in this scene where she's getting yelled at, and she like stands up and walks to one side of the room, and I couldn't help but wonder if she was thinking about going and get her choky ring.
1: Going to get her rings of power, (laughs) right? That would have been fun too. Big fun.
2: (laughs) Hold on, let me go to my safe. Well,
1: and the relationship with Sinclair and Carolyn doesn't hold up for me either because we have this where she feels protective enough and familiar enough to go yell at this alien ambassador but a few scenes down she goes into the quarters and she finds out because Sinclair just chucked a medal at her yeah that he was at the battle of the line and she just she didn't even know
2: oh I love that scene though how
1: close can you be to somebody and they don't know that you were in the biggest battle of the most recent war I
2: don't know. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't love that scene because yeah. of that revelation. That that's terrible. Like, how would you not know that?
1: No, the monologue is good though.
2: The monologue is good, and it's such. I literally have like a paragraph of like notes on what good world building that was. Because mm-hmm. it's such a. It tells us so much with mm-hmm. so little. It's so good. But before we get there, we find out Chakar has gills. Painful to
0: use, but but efficient. Precisely.
2: That's fun. Which I don't think comes back again the rest of the show. It might. I don't remember. But
1: yeah, they were just like, we want to show off this cool makeup effect that we are doing right now.
2: Yeah. It is interesting to me, though, that he does show it to Lita, because of all the characters who would know that that was a thing.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Spoilers. When Lita comes back in like season two or three, she has gills.
1: She has some gills. Yeah. Well, but here's here's another thing in the plot that doesn't hold up for me. I honestly, the first four times I watched that, thought it was Lita. just thought it was Lita and she was like, okay, yeah, concerned about getting Sinclair shipped off because she really thought that he did the murder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it's like, oh wait, no, that's that's the changeling.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's such, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I,
1: I had a hard time with that. Like the the pace at which we roll through those things. And maybe I'm the only maybe I'm the only idiot who didn't get it. <laughs> but I, I I can't be, right?
2: No, no, it's this it's this pilot is very it's very just blame the pilot, yep. it's fine.
1: But yes, the gills are cool.
2: <laughs> we get to see the gills and then we get to find out why Londo betrayed mm-hmm. um Sinclair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> he almost did it, it.
2: caught myself. <laughs> And we get this whole thing about like how his like great his grandfather committed these war crimes and Jakar found out and there are these war crimes against the Narn. And it's gonna like make him lose his place in Centauri nobility?
0: Of course I know. But what's done is done. Why bring it up now?
2: What could that possibly be? The Centauri hate mm-hmm. the Narn. They I mean literally they I mean, they go and they do a bunch mm-hmm. of war crimes throughout the series against them. And it's just like, what would be worse? Yeah. I mean, it'd it have to be, it, I mean, it have to be like real bad. Like, cause the stuff that the Centauri do throughout the series. And what was the, to...
1: the power change? And when did it happen that sudden, you know, because it, he says it's Londo's grandfather, right? I don't know how long they have like lifespan mm-hmm. if they've established that or if they do for Centauri, but it's like, when was the shift that those war crimes were no longer cool? <laughs> that was a weird sentence, but, and how- No,
2: no, 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 at a certain point, the Centauri were just like, nah, bro, that's yeah. not cool. And that's gotta be a very dramatic yeah. change. And I I don't know what that could, like, I don't know. It has to be something so horrible I don't even want to think
1: about. What was the impetus for that? Like, was there a larger power? Was it contact with the Membari or something that- Made them realize like, oh, we can't pick on these people anymore for whatever reason. And Mm -hmm. we're going to actually like prosecute the people who did pick on them and and commit war crimes and atrocities. And yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing to think about, but I don't have a lot of information on it yet.
2: And then we get to the battle of the line, which... Let me just say, (laughs) as far as names of Mm sci-fi battles go, the Battle of the Lion might be the best one.
1: It is very cool.
2: It tells you everything you need to know about the battle without telling you anything Mm -hmm. about the battle. Yeah. And Sinclair has a super great quote when he's going off about it. The the sky was full Mm -hmm. of stars. Every star, an exploding ship, one of ours. Mm -hmm. It's like how heavy that is.
1: Yeah, that is a very well delivered monologue. And I, I look at it with two minds. You know, I, I have the mind that is appreciating it, but at the same time, also I'm reminded of a scene from Airplane. <laughs> Target's just
0: ahead. Should be clear if it
1: reminds me of that, but this episode only really has two significant monologues. And the first is Londo's at the very beginning. And then this one, Hmm. And they're both dramatically very significant.
2: Hmm. There's another super small detail about this monologue that I really appreciated. And this is a detail in the closed captioning. Okay. So I just want to throw kudos to whoever did the closed captioning because they capitalized the line. A couple points in the monologue, they don't call it the full battle of the line. They just call it the line. And it's always yeah. capitalized. That's a nice touch. It's super important. And you, it's something that you could pick up on in listening to mm-hmm. it and that you would totally miss yeah. just reading it. I just wanted to dear whoever did the closed captioning for this episode.
1: Because it wasn't AI back then, you know.
2: It was no, it wasn't. On the off chance you happen to find this podcast, know that I I appreciate that detail.
1: We love you and we appreciate you. Thank you for your service.
2: Your attention to detail <laughs> is much appreciated.
1: After that we
2: get Evelita <laughs> <laughs> uh, running around in med lab. You
1: really want to try with the I,
2: <laughs> I love them. I love them so much. Um,
1: <laughs> you know what? We're gonna have to come up with something for Jakara and Mondo eventually, like Brangelina. I yeah. don't want
2: to force it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it just uh, state mm-hmm. for a bit. When, when yeah. the time comes, it will be, the, be there. Um, <laughs> God, I'm thinking of if you, there's almost no way in, you've on earth you've seen this show. There was a six-episode, one-season show called No Heroics on ITV, yeah. like, <laughs> maybe 10, maybe 12 years ago. I'm not
1: in that 2%.
2: Yeah, no, it's fine. I don't expect anyone, except for maybe someone that I know that I showed that show to, and then also said, hey, I got a podcast, too. <laughs> uh, um, it's is the expected overlap but it's all about like really terrible superheroes at mm. like a bar where all the superheroes shrink and there's one guy who has fusion powers <laughs> so he like touch he'll like make touch two things and put them together and now they're one thing right oh boy <laughs> and he also does it with words all the time so he's really into uh-huh. word fusions woosions, <laughs> is what he oh, does terrible
0: what is this shit you're doing
2: oh sorry it's uh, it's a nervous tech.
0: word fusion woosion. It's fucking annoying.
2: (laughs) So I get to look
1: forward to your (laughs) That's
2: Yes, you get to look forward to that. I'm going to, I think I've got a copy of it somewhere. I'm going to see if I can find a clip. That
1: sounds like, that sounds like a, like a condition. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes.
2: All right. I'll I'll have to see if I can, I don't think it's even streaming anywhere, to be perfectly honest. Well,
1: if it is, I'll I'll give it a look.
2: It's it's hilarious. But anyways, Lita, evil Lita is running around the med lab, turning Mm -hmm. off all the machines. And we find that we get a timer on how long Kosh mm-hmm. has to live. You know, that he's got 36 hours if the anti-poison doesn't take.
1: Mm-hmm. And the at some point in the episode, they also give us a timer on when the Vorlons were going to arrive. And I think it was 12 hours.
2: Yeah. So they mm-hmm. don't line up at all. And the doctor, Dr. Kyle, right? Yeah. 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 Shoots Lita with what I'm assuming is, like, a surgical laser? Yes.
1: I was <laughs> like, is that safe to fire on a space, uh, space station?
2: <laughs> they just He just fires uh. a laser at her, and it's just like, what is this laser doing here? It has to be for, like, surgical stuff, right? Uh-huh. And if it's, like, a surgical laser from the future, I'm assuming it's going to do one of two jobs, and that's only do very light cutting to, like, do surface level stuff. Or it's going to be like the emergency amputate button, right? And maybe that's just yeah. like my very limited medical knowledge that you would have those two tools. But I think of a scalpel and I think of a bone saw. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you replacing? And just like he went for the scalpel, yeah, I guess
1: it's a very large and unwieldy scalpel, and I'm not sure how you do <laughs> surgery with that thing. It did not make sense yeah. to me, but it's fun. The future. I wanted to point out too, I don't, I think we may have passed it, but it takes until I wrote this timestamp down one hour, one minute and 30 seconds in is when we finally figure out Mm -hmm. that there is something sabotaging on the (laughs) hall.
0: It takes us that long. (laughs)
2: After all the the clips of outside the station we get. it's
1: taken us that long because we had, you know, oh, whole pressurization is down and we sent those maintenance bots out there and then one of the maintenance bots gets shot and then they're like, oh, that maintenance bot never reported back in at one hour and one minute and 30 (laughs) seconds into this episode. (laughs) So I was like, oh, we need a little bit better uh, home security (laughs) on Babylon 5.
2: (laughs) Yep. And after this, the plot really just starts Uh to move. We've got like 20-something minutes left in the episode here. And everything is very rapid fire from this point on in the rest of the show. We get the info dump about the changeling net. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm sad it wasn't an alien. Like, I know they wanted to do a thing with the intrigue later. Yeah. 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 Uh but I think it would have been much cooler just to just be like, there's shape changing yeah. aliens. Deal. <laughs> um, and
1: then the Babylon five to Deep Space Nine comparisons continue.
2: <laughs> right. And and at this point they like know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But like, how is this not something you just search for casually? Right.
1: Like, why did why is there not a security Protocol or, you know, regular command that runs just to like, hmm, is there, <laughs> could anybody have brought on yeah. this illegal technology that apparently draws a lot of power? I think they specifically mentioned right. that. So that's how they start narrowing down where this person is, is because there's so much power mm-hmm. in this device. <laughs> Why do yeah. we not sweep for that on the reg?
2: <laughs> just search for giant power sources that shouldn't be yeah, on your it, station. I mean,
1: there could be other things like bombs <laughs> maybe right i don't know well and it's it's not even just that
2: it's like if you bring like a space heater into an office it's a problem <laughs> yeah i
1: told you you had too many plugs in one outlet
2: yeah <laughs> you know like how are you not concerned about something drawing this much power on a space station it has to be
1: why didn't it flip any breakers
2: <laughs> right exactly and then we get another thing that really makes me happy about babylon 5 compared mm-hmm. to star trek okay and that's we see garibaldi and sinclair getting ready to go fight and they actually put fucking armor on yes
1: yeah we need them bulletproof vests
2: <laughs> right that is my number one like why doesn't this mm-hmm. exist thing in
1: star trek and i guess and there's been multiple series where they could have brought it
2: up <laughs> right and i mean they do some some shield stuff on mm-hmm. people occasionally but like just armor like just just armor it's always in the history of combat armor has always been a good thing Mm -hmm. except maybe dune but that's neither here (laughs) nor there
1: yes they put they put on those big old vests and they grab a type of gun that we'd never see again
2: (laughs) yep it looks like it shoots like foam discs oh yeah yeah like a a toy you'd give a kid Uh uh-huh and then there's a throwaway line about recordings counting as witnesses. And I was just really appreciative that deep fake technology doesn't make it to the 2020s. or, or make it past the 2020s, we hope, into the 2200s. Well,
1: and with those recorders that they take, I think, you know, the, the point of the recorders was like, we want to show this cool, like, CGI effect that we can do of this this floaty mm-hmm. drone that's going to follow them around. But <laughs> there's there's at one point where you know everything's moving really fast and takashima's just like start beaming his recording into the the Vorlon ship patch patch him in let them see what's going on and it's like why would the Vorlons fucking care yeah <laughs> <laughs> like they're watching the guy that they've been told killed or you know attempted to kill kosh
0: mm-hmm.
1: running around the ship chasing a guy with guns,
2: like how, like this guy killed our ambassador. This is how not seriously you're uh, taking this. You're letting him run around with a gun right now,
1: yes. yes. So, there they're thinking, Oh, he's doing more crimes, yeah, he's doing a crime.
2: <laughs> yeah, that Vorlon fleet shows up and it's a ton <laughs> of Vorlon ships,
1: which I've always loved. The Vorlon ships, I think they're cool,
2: they're so cool. They remind me a lot of my memories of the 8472 ships from yes. Voyager. Yes, but I haven't seen one of those in so long. I've, i I mean, I'm just starting my Voyager watch. Really, I'm uh-huh. still in season one. You're, you
1: got a bit to go, then.
2: I haven't watched it since it aired. Yeah. Really, I think I haven't watched Voyager in that long.
1: They're very creepy with the green. Yeah, the like sickly green, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if they did it in the pilot, but I feel like it. Later, you know, you get the like shifty colors. And we find out some cool mm-hmm. things about the Vorlon ships. I've, I've always thought they were really neat.
2: Agreed. And it's just so many of them, which is like also not how the Vorlons work at all. <laughs> Way more than they need to take care of the yeah. station. Yeah. And then let's see, they're chasing around the uh, changeling net alien person mm-hmm. we don't know yet yep. in the alien sector. And Delen just shows up some Vulcan strength, just like superhuman strength delane delen just like picks up garibaldi (laughs) over the shoulders and just starts hawson and it's just like oh mimbara you're super strong i'm
1: like why is she here
2: (laughs) why is she there why
1: why did she come down it's almost
2: like she knew what was going to be revealed at the end
1: oh yeah it's almost like she had a suspicion
2: yeah like she had some file from her government (laughs) to hand over when it's (laughs) convenient and then, yeah, we get the reveal, actually, after shortly thereafter, that it was a Mimbari mm-hmm. from the warrior cast all along. That
1: left the warrior cast. Left the
2: warrior cast, yeah, yeah. Some
1: sort of separatist group. So clearly Delenn had some sort of knowledge about the separatist group, at least, and thought that they could be involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he says the the iconic line that shows up later in the series several times to Sinclair as he's he's cornered he's trapped he knows he's not going to to make it out of this and he tells Sinclair that there is a hole in your mind and uh Mm -hmm. then decides to blow himself up (laughs) yep
2: blows himself up just like all
1: good you know suicide
2: Uh, that's enough exposition for today
1: done (laughs) I'm going to say (laughs) some famous last words and then Goodbye.
2: And then, um, after all that, Sinclair makes it out. Obviously, otherwise the show would yeah. not continue. <laughs> Carolyn says goodbye to Sinclair and mm-hmm. to the show, and leaves for her ship. It's
1: pretty, pretty hurtful that he never mentioned the Battle of the Line. I think that's, I think that's what did this relationship end. Did it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Quite possibly. We get Doctor Kyle. I have looked upon the face of a Forlorn Horror, and nothing is the uh-huh. same again.
1: It is a cool line. Yeah. I just didn't believe it when he said it.
2: <laughs> it's that, it's mm-hmm. that horror. Like it's, it's literally, I've looked upon the, the face of Vorlon mm-hmm. horror and nothing. And I had to like pause and like listen to it like three times. And if it wasn't for the closed captioning, I wouldn't know what he was saying.
1: Yeah. His accent was pretty strong. Sure.
2: And a part of it is just like, he's just like, I feel like he's just running through his lines at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I, I got my paycheck. Let me go.
1: I really wanted to see some sort of, I wanted to see he was being haunted throughout the second act. And I would have felt
0: mm-hmm.
1: like that line meant more if I had seen how haunted he was and how uh, distressing it was to work on this for <laughs> but he was just doing his job the whole time.
2: Yeah uh jakar gives a toast to the future the undiscovered country Uh it's pretty nice it's the start of his face turn yep but then we get a scene with him and sinclair right after (laughs) where he lies about nanotechnology in his intestines
1: machines too small for the human eye to see like the one you just swallowed in that drink yes this is where the line happened that that i was like what what are you even doing here at sinclair What is your organization even? He says, Oh, yes, that the assassin was a member of the Minbari warrior class. He said, I used to be a member of the warrior class.
2: Oh, the Earth warrior cast. Yeah.
1: You're still in the fucking military. What do you mean (laughs) used to? (laughs) What are you saying? What are these words coming out of your mouth? Of course, you're still part of the warrior class. This is where you say, My government is really powerful still. And I'm still in the military Mm -hmm. and, you know, you might not want to cross us, but he, he uses the past (laughs) tense. Like they're not a military anymore. Yeah,
2: And it's like also like a very roguish maneuver with like him and Garibaldi talking about Mm -hmm. it afterwards where it's just all like oh they'll never find it because it's not there but they'll keep looking because they can't find it (laughs) and it's just all like it's just like a high school senior prank where you like threw a couple pigs and numbered them one two four (laughs) and threw them in the the hallways (laughs) like that's what it felt like to me it was just like it felt very juvenile your
1: high school must have been very interesting (laughs) 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 yeah no i i do i do enjoy that um little bit of trickery, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that that could actually play off in the, the world, but I'm I'm willing to suspend my discipline for that. In other places where I haven't been, yeah, I'll let that one go, especially because you get that delightful little dialogue <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of the scene where Mondo is not in on anything and he's just like, look at these weirdos, beep, beep.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a joke for later too. The, the, the beep beep, because that's a Rebo and zooty reference. Oh, yes. Which is the uh-huh. comedians that we end up meeting in season five.
1: Yep. I remember Rebo and Zooty. Yes. Spoilers, it's <laughs> Penn and
2: Teller. <laughs> <laughs> um, in an episode written by Neil Gaiman, actually. One of the few episodes not written by uh, JMS.
1: I did not know he wrote for the show. I've learned a thing. It's just the one. Well, I, I remember that episode, so... You know, it's mm-hmm. nice to hear when you, there's a particularly memorable episode that it's like, well, that was written by somebody that you know from other writing.
2: Yeah, and we get a very quick wrap up. You know, it's like, Kosh is okay, the station survives. Let's throw some tennis in and turn off the lights.
1: Oh, see, that didn't that I, I feel like I've been very nitpicky on this half of the pilot, but when he's throwing up that Tennyson, Dylan... Is like a poet? What's a poet? And I was like, you can, you cannot tell me the Mimbari don't know what a fucking poet is,
2: right? <laughs> They're
1: the most poetic race on this show.
2: They know poetry. They have a different word for it.
1: <laughs> but the way that, like, that he has to describe it to her, I was like, yeah. It's like I feel like that's one of the basic things that you would learn in learning about another culture or race is language. Mm-hmm. Is you learn how do they use that yeah. language and what are their their idioms or what are their you know works of art and literature so you can't tell me the Mm -hmm. Mimbari don't know what a poet is they probably read Tennyson Sinclair (laughs) right you could I I
2: refuse to accept that Delenn hasn't read Tennyson yes (laughs) of
1: all (laughs) Mumbari. yep because we know later that she's really I won't want to say obsessed but she, she is a little obsessed with like human culture and understanding humans and knowing about mm-hmm. humans. And there turns out to be a reason for that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, th- that's silly. And mm-hmm. and that and that's the episode. Yeah. Babylon five is open for business.
2: <laughs> open for business. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the station closes. <laughs> like there's not a night <laughs> shift. It's all like, oh, you didn't make it into eight to five. Yeah. Ports closed. Sorry. Well,
1: I better go to Centauri prime. Cause it's open, you know. 24 7 or whatever earth time yeah it's not open yeah. on
2: earth time yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i've been really hard on this second half i don't know what got into me
2: <laughs> it's not good is the answer but that's fine i promise
1: i do love this show <laughs> i'm not i'm not a troll i'm not here to just hate on something people love
2: <laughs> i mean we've got a couple really good episodes right off the bat like the <laughs> show does start real strong after this yeah I think the next three or four episodes are all Mm -hmm. excellent. At least from looking at the episode descriptions Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, Not And having not watched, I mean, I guess I've watched them within the last year.
1: Yeah, there's Um, definitely some iconic, at least iconic plot and aliens coming up. I do remember that, you know, I got through the first three or so. And I just, i read remembered... Mm -hmm. not liking season one when i saw it the first time but i remembered some of these episodes and thinking that they were elsewhere in the show Mm -hmm. so to me that says that maybe season one isn't as bad as i thought
2: (laughs) yeah season one of babylon five is probably better than season one of any trek show with the exception of maybe lower decks
1: Uh, yeah lower decks i love it (laughs) (laughs) it was written for us lower decks is written for millennials for for sure sure.
2: yeah i mean most most trek shows have a very terrible season one notoriously bad Mm. and i feel like this doesn't fall into the trap that a lot of shows do in their first season where you're just like oh it's trying to find its footing like no they got they did that in this pilot and they're good pretty much after this point
1: tng is the second episode code of honor is that it's really early. It's Like the
2: second or third. It's real, yeah. Because I think it's, it's far point naked now. It's got to be one of the first couple. Without it in front of me, I think it's like episode four or five.
1: Yeah, where wherever that episode falls, we we have a better episode of that blood five <laughs> than that.
2: Four, sure. It's the fourth episode, mm-hmm. and our fourth episode is infection which is a good one
1: even the second episode i know that we're gonna have some good stuff to talk about there yeah so we get some really good history and we also get some of that attitude of the 90s versus how would we look at this now that is interesting Mm -hmm. to think about
2: oh man bester shows up as early as episode six i'm here
1: to save your butts oh that's fun. i didn't think he was that early in the show
2: I remember he was supposed to be someone else, like actor-wise, or originally, he was supposed to be a different character. He was supposed to be a different throwaway character, and he like couldn't make it.
1: I gotta Google that because I gotta know. Um, mm-hmm. Character, maybe I don't know. Night Two. It says J. Michael Schurzinski originally wrote the part of Night Two with Walter specifically in mind. Who is Night Two? I don't remember this person at all.
2: Oh, okay. He's one of the two dudes that kidnap Sinclair. They kidnap Sinclair to find out what happened to him during the Battle of the Line.
1: Yeah, okay. That will be fun. Oh, he was... It says he had a heart attack and was still recovering from surgery, so they couldn't do Walter Koenig for that. Well... And thank God that they didn't, because Bester is so much more interesting.
2: For sure. Yeah, Bester is so Mm -hmm. good. Walter Koenig is so good in this show.
1: That was a trip. (laughs) A good trip. (sighs) Yeah. All right.
2: Yeah. But we're through it. Yeah. And now we can really start getting into some stuff. I'm looking forward to it.
1: I am, too thank you to jeremy siegel for our uh, theme music if you like jeremy's work or you want to see more of what he's got going on he has a band camp out there he's jeremy 42bandcampcom thanks for sharing your talents with us too jeremy
2: we appreciate it thank you
1: and we'll be back next week with another first season episode of babylon 5
0: P